When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome to a draft recap edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are recording this at 4.40 on Sunday after a, a long weekend. I guess not as long as it could have been since the Browns didn't have a first round pick, but even without that, these are still very long weekends. So we're going to recap the Browns 2023 draft class just to run through it real quickly uh, here before we get to our question. Cedric Tillman, the pick at 74. Siaki Ika, the pick at 98. Dewan Jones, 111. Isaiah McGuire, 126. Dorian Thompson Robinson at 140. Cameron Mitchell at 142. And Luke Whipler at 202. So <clears throat> four questions here to kind of recap everything that happened. We're just going to start with the easiest one, Mary Kay. What was your favorite pick this weekend? You know, I do think it was Cedric Tillman. I've been harping on the fact that the Browns need to add more weapons for Deshaun Watson. And, uh, you know, he's a good big body receiver. He had great production two seasons ago when he was healthy uh, before he suffered an ankle injury that required surgery last year and cost him six games. The year before that, he caught 12 touchdown passes at Tennessee. He played at a high level. Uh, you know, you, you really like to get guys that played in the SEC. I think that's vitally, vitally important uh, in terms of being able to plug a guy in right away. And, um, and I, I think he has a chance to come in and contribute from the jump. Yeah, I think as we go through some of these questions, we're going to ask you to hear some of these names uh, a few times. Uh, but Ashley, the Cedric Tillman pick, so just such an interesting pick because of his size, because of actually, I mean, I've been reading some of the draft reviews today, and he seems to be a favorite of, of a lot of the draft people that the Browns were able to get him where they got him. And, um, you know, even Andrew Barry seemed a little surprised they were able to get him there. Yeah, he was a guy who we're going to do a couple of categories here. Like I, I was thinking about him for this category or another category. So I definitely think he is worthy of falling into the favorite draft pick status. And his size, again, is something that that receiver room just doesn't have. Like, I mean, DPJ is the biggest receiver that they have. He's about an inch shorter or maybe 10 pounds lighter. Um, so he was really the only guy with a kind of similar makeup. And I thought it was interesting too, like going back through Cedric Tillman's introductory press conference yesterday, one of the things he brought up unprompted was blocking and like his blocking ability. Like, I think that's something that, you know, this, we've seen it. This team loves when guys say, say stuff like that. They loved it when David Njoku really kind of took blocking to heart and really improved in that area. Um, for example, so 
I definitely think he provides something like a little bit different and he has that contested catchability, that red zone ability that also really kind of drew the Browns in, it seems like. It's funny you mentioned that, Ashley, because that stood out to me, too. He said that kind of towards the end of the press conference, and, and that kind of perked my ears up. And Mary Kay, I mean, I've heard, uh, you know, I heard Julian Edelman on a podcast once basically say, if you don't block, you don't play for Chad O'Shea. So Chad O'Shea, of course, is the Browns wide receivers coach, and there is that expectation that he's going to have to be able to to produce in the run game, not just catching the football. Yeah, and you have seen other Browns receivers sort of live up to that Chad O'Shea Tanay to block. Uh, you know, you see Donovan Peoples-Jones do it. You see Amari Cooper doing it. If they're out there, uh, they they are blocking, and uh, and they're pretty darn good at it in most cases. So, um, so yeah, he, he fits the bill. Uh, and, uh, and I think it will be, you know, I think it'll be fun to watch him go out there and play this year. Okay. So Ashley, who's your pick for this one? Favorite pick? Yeah, I'm going to stick with the guy I said yesterday for this when we did our Berea report video. And I'm going to go with Siaki Ika because I really wanted to see them beef up their interior D-line a little bit more. And I think them picking him and his size, um, I don't have his measurables in front of me, but like 6'3", he's like got 10 pounds on Dalvin Tomlinson. I don't remember the exact number. I think in the 320s, I want to say. 6'3", they've got him listed at 6'3", 335. 335, right? In their okay, notes yeah. from yesterday. Yeah, so Dalvin's like what? Probably like 325 around that range they have him yeah, on the roster. Yeah, something like um, that. So I, I really like this. I like the fact that he anchored double teams in college and he he excelled in the Big 12. And Andrew Berry brought this up like he was shocked to see a guy this big playing in the Big 12 where the offenses are so spread out. But he performed there. So I definitely think and you he transferred from LSU um, following his one coach to uh, where did he end up? Baylor. So I, I do think that. um I, overall, I just like that they kind of put an emphasis and picked him up in the third round or in the fourth round, whenever it was on day two of the draft. And um, I think that he could also make an impact, which, again, I was considering going back and forth between him and Cedric for these first two um, superlatives, if we want to call them that. But I definitely still really like this pick. Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny because you can list him at, at 335, but if you catch him on a different day, uh, you know, you could list him at 355. You know, we've seen him listed at all different kinds of weights. And I think that uh, in a perfect world, they would like him to play at 335 or maybe even less. And I think you can see that, uh, you know, that he has the ability to kind of tighten up some things a little bit going forward. And I think they're probably going to want him to do that. Um, but he has played as high as 355. And that's the thing that strikes Andrew Barry and those guys about him is the fact that even at 355, he was moving with hustle and motor. Um, so yeah, that's good. I mean, he's, he's got, he's got the requisite size to, to eat up that space and take on blockers. Uh, but he can also be disruptive and they want him to do that. They want him going forward and trying to rush the passer. Yeah, I wanted to mention that. That was one of the stories of this week was Jim Schwartz on that call. The draft day call to him said he wants him to be a Ferrari, not a dump truck. And uh, he didn't know what that meant. But Andrew Barry explained it to us. And basically what it means, Ashley, is you don't have to just stand there and eat up blockers anymore. We want you to get into the backfield. We want you to, you know, get upfield and make plays. 
Yeah, and I wrote about this for this morning. It's like this this was kind of a theme, it seemed like, of their first four draft picks, especially, that it was these guys who are bigger than maybe guys they currently have on the roster. But again, it's like everyone we talked to just kept hammering home. It's about, yes, finding guys with size, but finding guys who basically like know how to play with their size and haven't lost a step. And, you know, Siaki Iko was kind of known for eating up double teams in college, but I think like when you hear how Dalvin Tomlinson, like what he views as his strength and being able to, you know, maybe flush quarterbacks out so that the edge guys can get to him, but still work on getting to quarterbacks, even if pass rush and like those sack numbers isn't necessarily the part of their game that people think of first. Like, I think if you get two guys that can do that, that's really going to help Miles Garrett and your other guys coming off the edge. Yeah, so I'll just say uh, before we move on that um, I was I was going to say Cedric Tillman was was probably my favorite pick of the draft mm-hmm. here. Um, I'm not going to force a third one because we're going to have opportunities to talk about some of these other guys as well as we go along. But um, you know, just that size, that catch radius, the, the whole package, and Mary Kay, um, you know, that 12 touchdowns two years ago. You can just envision having a big receiver like that and the possibilities of, of him in the red zone and. You know, honestly, bigger receivers, we've seen Deshaun Watson have success with those guys. So he really seems to fit um, with, with what Deshaun Watson can succeed with. Yeah, absolutely. He really definitely does. And um, and I think that you can, at some times, you can play, you know, tall and big ball with what you have out there now. There are times, depending on the matchups, depending on the defenses that you're going against, where you can showcase and feature your smaller, shiftier faster guys. There are other times now where you can go kind of jumbo on your pass catchers. You can go with Jordan Akins, who's going to play as a big wide receiver in a lot of cases. And then, you know, you can pair him with Cedric Tillman and, you know, David Njoku and um, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones. You can go big when you need to. You can go big and there will be times uh, when they will definitely do that. And I think that you want to be able to do it when you can at the wideout position because you're talking about speed in that case, a little bit more speed. You're talking about being able to perhaps stretch the field a little bit more, get some uh, yards after catch. So I think that uh, I think it just gives them an element, of course, that they didn't really have in the receiver room, and it also really rounds them out as, as a pass-catching core. Okay, our next topic here is the most head-scratching pick. And I guess I'll go first here because it seemed like the, the two of you were having a little trouble coming no, up with I this. No, I had a guy. You, I you had have a guy. one? I'm do you want me to go I'm, first, Ashley? Yes, or do you, want you to go, go first? first, and I'm holding the paper of the guy who I was going to pick. Oh. And I'm curious if we have the same guy. How exciting. Yeah, so if, if, if not, if we don't have the same guy, I won't say who it is, and then you can come to me. But I'm curious. Okay. I'll hold up the paper if it is the same guy. So... So one of the reasons I go with like the the phrase most head scratching as opposed to like least favorite or something like that is because it really has nothing to do with the player. We don't know what any of these players are going to be, but it it has nothing to do with the player or or anything like that. It's just I'm still not entirely sure why you had to take Dorian Thompson Robinson and Mm -hmm. and why you had to do it at, at 140. I understand. I understand the explanations like they want to have, you know, it's a developmental quarterback. It's a guy who kind of, you know, he has a relationship with Deshaun Watson and and you're building that room around Deshaun. But I still just feel like there's somebody there 
that could have contributed to this football team more than Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to over the next four to five years. Um, I mean, four years, honestly. And, you know, by the time he's a free agent, he's going to be 27, almost 28 years old. So like for him, he's going to be stuck as a backup now for four years. He's not going to be getting reps once the season starts. I just feel like there would have been a better use for that pick than adding another quarterback to that room. Um, because you have your quarterback, you have Deshaun Watson, and the only way Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to play and play a significant amount of time is if something bad happens to Deshaun Watson. And that's your season's over if, if Deshaun Watson gets hurt. It doesn't matter who your backup quarterback is. So, uh, you know, Mary Kay, you have explained this pick. Um, I don't know that you would agree with me on this pick, but actually, before I go to you, though, I do want to know, Ashley, did you have the same person? No, I did not. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we'll wait. Mary Kay, you, I, I don't think you agree with me with, with, with this as a head-scratching pick, at least based on what we talked about yesterday on the pod and what we've talked about you know, after the pick. But, um, I, I mean, how do you feel about this pick 24-ish hours later? You know what, Dan, I can see what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I think you make really, really good points. But I do think that, um, in my mind, it's not a head-scratcher because I 100% uh, I can see what they're doing here. They are taking Deshaun Watson and they are putting him on the pedestal that he sort of needs to be on right now. And they are doing everything that they possibly can to help him to be successful. And one of the things is to create an environment in the quarterback room where I called it yesterday, like his sanctuary, his refuge, where he has a place where he can trust the guys that he's with, where he can feel support in there where he can feel camaraderie. There's already an instant friendship. He's already got that with Dorian Thompson Robinson. And I'm sure some people would think that the Browns perhaps are putting too much stock into this sort of thing, but I don't know that they are. I don't know because I think Deshaun is in such a unique situation more so than any other quarterback in the NFL where he needs his environment to be correct. He needs things to be as calm as they can possibly be. There's a whole psychological aspect to this. As I mentioned, he's going to be going into stadiums where he's going to have hostile crowds. Uh, he's going to ha- he's going to see signs. He's going to going to be asked questions probably still in press conferences. Uh, he still has two suits against him. So, in addition to everything else that that Dorian Thompson Robinson brings, including uh, you know just that toughness, that confidence, the playmaking ability, some crossover skills with Deshaun Watson, another dual threat quarterback, um, you know, they're setting up the room. They're setting up the room. They've got Alex Van Pelt in there. I think he's going to be really, really good from a chemistry standpoint for those guys um, as their quarterback's coach, in addition to the offensive coordinator. And then you have Deshaun's really, really close friend, Joshua Dobbs. They've gone all the way back uh, to high school together. So in, in the same way, that Kareem Hunt was good for Nick Chubb all of these years, made him laugh, lightened him up. I mean, Nick is a serious guy. I mean, Nick is serious. Kareem makes him laugh. And there was value in that. So there was a chemistry in the running back room. Um, and, And I think that's what they're going for here. I really think that they chose somebody that Deshaun Watson feels extremely comfortable with, they may have even asked him for suggestions before, you know, they really got super serious about this. If there's a guy that he didn't want in that room, 
I'm telling you right now, that guy wouldn't be in that room. I remember last year interviewing Jacoby Brissett before the season. Um, and Jacoby basically said, you know, Deshaun signed off on me. He, he, you know, he agreed that I would be a good compliment to him in the room. And, you know, and I, I think that's kind of what's going on here. And I don't really have a problem with it. See, and that's all fair. I, you know, like I understand what they're doing with the pick. I just, and the other point, the, you know, to argue against myself is it's a fifth round pick. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's no guarantee another player they would have picked would do anything. I just feel like you could, I don't know. Can you find a guy that can help you on special teams? Can you find a guy that can be an extra linebacker? We'll see. We'll see how it plays out because Ashley, I think the, unfortunately the, the upside of this pick is (laughs) Deshaun does get hurt. Dorian Thompson Robinson plays well for a stretch of games. Let's say six games or something, which you don't want to see happen anyway. And then maybe you can flip it for a fifth again or a fourth or something like that. That's all. I just, I would just rather have a player here than, than a quarterback, but I understand everything Mary Kay that said there about the Browns thinking and and their process in this. Yeah, I think all of that is fair. Both sides are fair. Again, he was not the player I had for most head-scratching picks, so I think I fall a little more on Mary Kay's side of thinking because on top of all these intangibles, like it's not only the fact that, yes, this is somebody Deshaun's familiar with, it's that, of course, again, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is not going to come in and be Deshaun Watson, but he is like another dual-threat guy who I, I like the fact, and again, like we talked about this a lot last year, that they are building that quarterback room to be, you know, have similar skill sets to Deshaun for in the event something happens. And again, to get more guys out there in camp, like even things like that, I think do still matter to me, um, especially considering like they're going from now, essentially two years ago, or, you know, a few years ago, even back further, like they were building this room so that Baker kind of had that elderly statesman kind of guy with the maturity around him. And now they've totally revamped where they have the quarterback they are confident in and want out there. And now they're like developing guys behind him. And I'm kind of interested to see what that looks like when this regime, this coaching staff gets the chance to truly develop somebody from the ground up that they've drafted and and what that can turn into. Okay, Ashley, the world wants to know, what paper (laughs) did you pick up? So I'm going to say I was influenced by listening to the podcast from yesterday, the segment with Doug. And hearing Doug talk about Luke Whipler, I am a little head scratchy on it. Now, in the sense that I don't mind building up offensive line depth. And I think even yesterday I talked about they got into trouble at center last year, right? So maybe recency bias has me a bit more like, ah, okay, about this pick. But hearing Doug talk about him, the fact that he's undersized and the fact that he hasn't played guard in college, like I don't think that versatility is really there and the size isn't there. Again, I don't know. Like I I don't hate it. I don't hate bringing in offensive line depth, especially that late and especially from a school like Ohio State. But I will say just hearing that he's undersized and hearing that he hasn't really played guard and doesn't have that versatility on the interior, which again, like if you're undersized, playing guard in the NFL is tough. So I'm a little head scratchy about it now after listening to Doug talk to him, but I still like by no means hate it given where he was picked. Yeah, Mary Kay, this is a pick. And I think I think you pointed this out on one of our pods this weekend. Well, probably had to be yesterday's because it was after they picked him. This is a pick that feels that kind of makes you wonder you know, about Nick Harris and, and maybe he's coming off that serious injury. And, you know, is this sort of he- of a hedge against him coming back? 
It could be. I mean, it could very well be. So I think they need to get these guys in here. I mean, if you end up with nobody to snap the ball to your quarterback, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So you need to kind of keep somebody that can do that in the pipeline. And I mean, this is a sixth round pick. You can take a flyer on a sixth round pick for sure. And then the other thing about this football team is the fact that they wholeheartedly believe, and I pretty much agree with them, that they have the best offensive line coach in the NFL in Bill Callahan. They've got a really good coaching staff uh, in terms of their O-line, Scott Peters. And those guys are really, really good uh, at what they do. So they can take guys that might not be, uh, you know, world beaters and really turn them into something. Do you think, did you ever hear Ethan Posick's name before he came here? No, no, you did not. All of a sudden, Ethan Posick turns into the number nine center in the NFL, working with Bill Callahan. So uh, these guys have a knack. I mean, Wyatt Teller made millions and millions and millions of dollars working with these guys, becoming one of the best guards in the NFL. Uh you know, I mean, there's Jed is still a work in progress, and but he's coming up the learning curve. We'll see what, uh, you know, what happens with him. But uh, at a position that isn't really maybe necessarily completely 100% natural for him, he's getting the job done and, and getting better. So for a six round pick to take a flyer, to develop a guy, you can throw 20 extra pounds of muscle on him. You, you can do that. He's like 303 or something like that now. I don't think it would be hard. Uh, to get him at that, you know, at that training table and throw, you know, 20 more pounds on him from a weight standpoint and get him where you need him to be size wise and, you know, physique wise and, uh, and then coach him up with, with Bill Callahan and see what you have. Mary Kay, did you have an answer for this one? You know what? I have to say, I don't <laughs> have an answer for this one. And I'll tell you why, because what they did in this draft is, almost everything I really thought that they, that they should, should do. And I mean, one of the really good picks that we haven't even really talked about yet and everything that I just said about Luke Whipler can be applied to Dewan Jones, except for the getting bigger part. He's cool there, (laughs) but Dewan Jones, uh, they are so excited about what he can become when he's going to be coached by Bill Callahan. And he is a Browns tackle of the future. He is a Browns starting tackle of the future. So he's going to be the starting either right or left tackle over the next two years. They are so excited about this guy that it's, you know, it's not even, it's not even funny. I mean, his natural position is at right tackle, but if they don't know what's going on at, at left tackle, you know, who knows, maybe he's somebody that they can kind of plug in over there at some point. Some guys start out at right tackle for a few years and move over to left tackle. There are teams that do that as a matter of course. But he is uh, such an intriguing prospect that, you know, when you get him into Bill Callahan's hands full time, uh, this could be a dynamite pick. And the, and the other thing that I was going to say about some of these other guys is I just, I see it. I mean, I see it with, you know, why did you pick Isaiah McGuire? Well, we know why, because they need more pass rushers. We already talked about Dorian Thompson Robinson. Cameron Mitchell, why, did we think Andrew Barry was going to go through a draft and not draft a defensive back? I thought maybe it might be a safety ahead of a cornerback, but, you know, maybe Greg Newsom needed a friend, and I'm cool with that. 
Um, but you knew that Andrew Barry was going to add uh, secondary depth. So, you know, we get that. They're going to play a lot of three and four wides. And then we already discussed old Luke. Um, so, and we know about Cedric. We know about Siaki. There was nothing on here where I said, you know, wow, what are they doing here? I, I really don't get this. And, you know, another thing about DeWan Jones, and, and again, Ashley mentioned this, if you if you didn't listen to Saturday's pod um, that posted late Saturday and, and kind of early into Sunday morning, uh, go back and check that out because we went through the day three picks and then Doug actually came on and talked about the two Ohio State O-linemen as well. And he had a lot of stuff on DeWan Jones and kind of like, how in the world did this guy end up in the fourth round? Um, and how the Browns were able to get him. So um, there's a lot there. There's a lot of upside there with DeWan Jones. That's that's really intriguing. All right, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the impact players can have immediately and then who we think might have the biggest impact in a few years. And then also, which player currently on the roster might be most impacted by this draft. That's coming up on the other side on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock the Sunday after the draft. Uh, let's do this. The pick most likely to make an impact this year. Mary Kay, who do you have for this one? You know what? Let's let Ashley go first on okay. this one. So if she, um, you know, picks somebody that I was going to pick, then I can pivot. But let's, I'm going to give her okay. first crack at this one. And, and like I said, there's going to be some of these yeah. where you might have an answer that somebody had earlier or whatever. But no, Ashley, player yeah, most likely I, to have, have an impact. I have, and we don't have to spend a ton of time talking about this guy because this was where I decided when I was deciding between Siaki and Cedric on who to put where, I ended up putting Cedric here because I think there's no way he's not going to play. I think he has something different than these other receivers have. Um, we don't have to relitigate the whole, whole pick. But I do think he's going to have a huge impact on this offense. Yeah, Mary Kay, I, I'm trying to figure out how it doesn't happen because last year there were definitely podcasts where I said, oh, David Bell's just going to catch a bunch of footballs. We know that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just can't figure out how Cedric Tillman doesn't at least, you know, whatever role it is, doesn't at least make some sort of impact for this offense right away. Yeah, they really, really like him. I mean, when you are the first pick uh, in in a team's draft, you know they really like you because they had a lot of things that they could have done at number 74. There were plenty of players that they brought in for 30 visits and spent a lot of time on uh, that were available to them at number 74. And they went ahead and took Cedric Tillman. That says to me that that they are going to try to get him ready to play. Again, he played at a high level. Uh, he's healthy this year. That much uh, further removed from his ankle surgery. Um and so I just think that they're going to plug him in and they're going to, they're going to let him go. And I think you're going to see a lot of Amari, Elijah and Cedric Tillman this year. I, I really think that uh, I, I think he's going to make some noise. So he would have been uh, my first choice here as well. Um, so that means I had him for two categories, but they kind of go hand in hand and I would put him here. So I'll bring up another name um, that we haven't, talked a lot about yet, but I think this is partially because of the player, but also partially because of the position and there's going to be opportunity there. And I'm going to go with Isaiah McGuire, who was the 126th overall pick after Dewan Jones. I, they need people to step up as the edge rushers, you know, Miles Garrett and Obo Okoronkwo are your one, two. 
Um, but after that, it's pretty wide open. You know, there's going to be an opportunity for Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas. And then Isaiah McGuire is, they only had four edge rushers coming into this weekend, four defensive ends on the roster coming into this weekend. So Isaiah McGuire, he makes five. I mean, Mary Kay, just the basic numbers game tells you that this guy's going to have an opportunity to come in and, and maybe they add somebody as a free agent at some point, but this guy's going to have an opportunity to come in right away and compete for playing time. Yeah. The only reason that he really wouldn't get much playing time uh, would depend on his learning curve. It's a spot where you have to be able to come up that learning curve and you have to be ready to roll uh, because a lot of things are going to be thrown at you. And we saw that last year, their third round pick, Alex Wright, he did some really good things. Uh, He had, he led the team and was like tied for third in the NFL with five batted passes at the line of scrimmage. That's a lot. Uh, So he did those things, but just in terms of uh, the pass rush moves that you have to make and the way that you're going to get blocked and the moves these guys are going to put on you and the way that you'll at times be double teamed, uh, you know, it it can be difficult to make that transition from, you know, from college to the pros, but you're right. He's going to be a good candidate for it. He'll be a really good candidate because they don't have the bodies. They don't have the numbers there. I actually think that they're going to find another edge rusher somewhere out there. They have to. I mean, I just really think they have to. I think you need to find somebody who's proven. We were kidding around yesterday. After everything that's gone down, watch them go ahead and re-sign Jadavian Clowney, which, I mean, I really don't see that happening after he got, um, you know, banished and benched and, you know, sent home and all those kinds of things. And uh, I I don't see it happening. I know Miles Garrett. I'm sure Miles Garrett wouldn't want that to happen. But – but I think that they are going to try to find somebody who has some edge rush production uh, in their arsenal. Uh, somehow, some way, they're going to trade for somebody or sign a free agent, I bet. Yeah, Ashley, you've mentioned Alex Wright in the past, kind of how raw he was coming in and, and his situation, a smaller school. Um, at least with Isaiah McGuire, he's a guy that's played in the SEC. Um, he's gone against the best. He's done it for a little while. Um, you, you would hope that he's not going to come in quite as raw as Alex Wright did. Right. And I mean, I think we talked about yesterday on the podcast and I've mentioned this with him and I was asking, you know, Andrew Barry and them questions about this, like the fact that he does play and had played in the SEC, like we know they're drawn to that conference typically. Um, and it has to do with the level of competition. Right. And I think like looking at his numbers, finishing the 2022 regular season last year, he had 39 tackles, 13 were for loss second on the team, seven and a half sacks, four QB hurries. He finished with 16 and a half sacks in his career. So almost half of his college sacks just came last year. I think that's pretty promising, but I guess I, I can spoil my, if we're talking about the guy who we think might have an impact three years down the road, this is who I was thinking for that, because I do think like he's starting off on a higher floor than Alex Wright, but I do still think like, okay, you play with Miles Garrett, you can learn some things. And because of that higher floor, I feel maybe more promising about where he might be in a couple of years, coupled with there's certainly opportunity for him on this roster at that spot right now. Well, that's perfect. We'll just segue right into that. The uh, the player we think will have the biggest impact three years from now. You know, they always say you have to wait three years to, to judge a draft. So Ashley, uh, going with Isaiah McGuire on this one. Mary Kay, what was your answer here? My answer here is going to be someone we've talked about extensively already today, uh, but I'm going to go with Dewand Jones here. If they are able to do what they think they can do with him, and Andrew Berry described him yesterday as having like 
clay in their hands and how they can mold this guy. And just when you think of the size alone, I mean, that's just such an imposing figure uh, to have out there at the tackle spot. I, I just think that, you know, three years from now, he's going to be starting at one of those spots, um, perhaps right tackle, because that's, you know, where he has played. Uh, but I think he's going to be one of the guys here that we look back and think, oh, you know, now we really get it. I mean, a lot of people did think that he was going to be a first or second round pick. Um, so to, to find him and to know uh, how good he really is and can be, I'm going with Dewan Jones here. I actually think this is a, I think this is a really interesting pick um, because it's, I mean, this is what's supposed to happen when, when you draft a guy like this, right? You want to be able to say three years from now, we're going to put you in one of these spots. And, you, you know, so Jack Conklin is 28 years old right now. Um, I, I suppose there's a world where he has another, I mean, offensive lineman can play for a while. So maybe he has another contract in him. We'll see. He's had some health issues here and there. Um, Jed Wills. As we're recording this, we don't know if they've picked up his fifth-year option or not. That might change by the time you hear this, but it doesn't matter. He's going to be the starter next year anyway. Uh, but, I mean, Ashley, I think this is an interesting answer, and I, I don't disagree with it. I think there's real potential that he could certainly be one of your starting tackles three years from now, and that would make this a home run because that's the point of these fourth-round picks. Yeah, this was my number two guy for this. I mean, just alone, based on the fact, something we've already touched on, that he's going to be working with Bill Callahan. Like, I think by far, this is the best, like, position group on the roster that the Browns are, you know, really good at developing, just given who the position coach is there. And I think given his size, you can't teach size. I thought it was really interesting to hear Doug talk about yesterday that he thinks a big reason for the drop that, like, they never noticed work ethic issues while he was at Ohio State. And there was some questions about how he went through the draft process and not working out at the pro day, it sounded like. Um, and it sounds like he just mismanaged the draft process, which again is, how does that happen? But I thought Doug gave a really interesting explanation in that, you know, he's not like some of these other linemen that end up at Ohio State where they know that they're going to be college football players and elite level college football players. He thought he was going to play basketball for a really long time. So even the college recruiting process for him was a bit different. This was really the first time he's ever had to go through anything like this. So I think that mismanagement, um, if that was, you know, really the case kind of becomes more understandable to me and makes me less concerned in that area when you're looking at why it got dropped. Yeah. And it, you know, they, he was also so good that they basically had to, figure out ways to get like they had to reshuffle their whole line just to make sure they could get him on the field. So um, yeah, if the, if the worst thing that, that caused him to drop to the fourth round is that he somehow weirdly messed up just the draft process, that's, that's a good sign that maybe this could end up being uh, one of the steals of the draft. Okay. Last question here, which current player on the roster, and this can be positively or it can be negatively, which current player on the roster do you believe was most impacted by this draft class. Mary Kay, why don't you go first here? Hmm, it's a really, really good question. And there's a lot of ways that you can answer it, like you just said. I mean, you could say, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, because he got Cedric Tillman and he got Elijah Moore uh, as the second round pick. Um, you know, you know, hearing myself say that, I, I think I'm going to go with that. I think I'm going to go with uh, Deshaun Watson getting two pass catchers out of this draft class in Elijah 
and and Cedric. I really think that this is what Deshaun needed. Uh, you know, and he also got, you know, a quarterback friend in the quarterback room in Dorian Thompson Robinson. He got a potential future tackle. Uh, he got a backup center. So I, he got a lot out of this draft. Um, so yeah, he was the big winner, uh, especially because of those two receivers who I think are going to come in and make a big impact this year. Yeah. Deshaun, you know, we're seeing him start to leave his footprint on the, you know, leave his mark on this organization or make his mark on this organization already, Ashley, with, with some of these picks and, and some of the decisions they're making. Who did you have for this one? I actually had Deshaun too. Okay, there we these, go. For all those reasons, I mean, and including down to bringing in DTR into the quarterback room, because I think at first it's like, oh, why would, you know, he was one of three quarterbacks they brought in for top 30 visits. But then you find out about this friendship and connection between him and Deshaun, and it just like clicks on, on why he became their guy, I think. So I Deshaun was the first person for me that came to mind, not only, you know, throwing in another pass catcher this weekend um, that gives him something a little different. I think you know, you see Deshaun like to throw guys open. I think that sounds like that's going to be something Cedric Tillman is really good at. Um, and bringing in DTR, I think he's the he's the most impacted in a positive way from this weekend. Okay, well, you guys are going to make me be the one that goes negative here. Um, I'm just going to say every defensive tackle on the roster whose name is not Dalvin Tomlinson or we'll throw Tristan Hill and and Maurice Hurst in there as well. I just think all of them should be on kind of high alert going into the offseason program here, going into training camp. Uh, They just add, you know, with, with the signing of Tomlinson plus Hurst and Hill, and now you add in uh, Ika here to compete and maybe win one of those starting jobs. I just think that numbers game is going to be tough for especially Tommy Togiai and Perry on Winfrey, given Winfrey's off-field situation on top of everything. But, you know, Mary Kay, even Jordan Elliott, I, he's, he's got to kind of earn it here. Um, I mean, it's going to be tough for them to keep five defensive tackles. I don't know what Jim Schwartz wants, you know, on that makeup of the D line, but um, that, that numbers game is going to get awfully tight there at the bottom, especially if Hill and Hurst do kind of come in and show that they should be a part of this team. Yeah. I asked Andrew Barry about this yesterday. What does this draft, what, you know, the fact that Jim Schwartz, you know, put in his order for what he likes in a defensive tackle and they came up with guys like, Dalvin Tomlinson, Siaki Ika, Tristan Hill, Maurice Hurst. I mean, that that's a lot of new bodies in the defensive line room. And so I point blank asked him, what does it mean for the guys that were drafted pre-Jim Schwartz and might not necessarily have the same profile? And, you know, Andrew pretty much downplayed it and said there's not that much difference between what Joe Woods wanted in his defensive tackle and what uh, Jim Schwartz wants. But there's something to be said for supplying your new guy, your new defensive coordinator, who's won a Super Bowl in his current position uh, as a defensive coordinator with the Eagles. Um, You know, there's something to be said for giving him guys that he really wants. And therefore, I think it is going to be a little bit tougher for the Jordan Elliott's, the Tommy Togiais, the Perrion Winfrey's, uh, if he's back, to carve out playing time. I think the new guys are going to have a better chance to get in there and do their thing. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Barry can, can say that Jim Schwartz might not have had been much, as big a factor as some of us think we are, but uh, it sure feels like with this offseason, he took a look at big chunks of this defense, Ashley, and said, nope, 
this this isn't going to cut it. We need to go this direction. Well, especially a defensive tackle where like the physical makeup of the two guys they've brought in this offseason is totally different than anybody they have on the roster. Like Perion's like a similar height, right? But he's so lean, he's so much leaner than these guys they brought in. I think they looked at their run defense issues and, you know, there is something to having a big burly run stopper up there in the middle of the line. And now the Browns have two of them and they have two guys too, who they think not only can do that, but are a bit more athletic to do other things. So I think this is a good way to look at it, Dan, that it's kind of this whole position group behind the two newcomers that are affected based on this draft and this offseason because I think, you know, they bring in Dalvin Tomlinson and it's like, okay, he looks different than anybody else in that room. But then to go out and get Ika this weekend, I think that just reinforces what they're looking for in the middle of that line. Okay, we had a lot of draft content go up this weekend. Um, a lot. So if you're not subscribed to Orange and Brown Talk, get subscribed, go back on that feed to hear our instant reactions from Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, check those out. As, um, and also, you know, we talked about Doug, how he came on. Go check out Buckeye Talk. They have, they've had a lot of Ohio State coverage. Go to Cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, all sorts of drafts coverage there, including some columns, uh, Mary Kay's story about training camp starting off at the Greenbrier. Uh, so a little road trip, everybody, to, to start off training camp. Um, so all that stuff is there at Cleveland.com slash Browns. That's also where you can become a football insider subscriber. Again, all weekend, we were texting. There was stuff that, that you had to be a subscriber to read. And, of course, that newsletter is still rolling every single day. Uh, we're actually coming up in the rotation. So get signed up now. You'll get to see the three of our uh, next newsletters coming up. Uh, it's the blue banner at the top of the page at cleveland.com slash Browns. And just make sure, like I said, you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Mary Kay and Ashley, I will talk to both of you later. Bye.